verses 1 through 7. The Apostle Paul, as we remember from our study in Acts chapter 13, had preached in Antioch with some success. But because of aggravated persecution and a threat, he fled the city and moved on to Iconium with Barnabas, his partner. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 14, Now at Iconium they entered together into a Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the believing Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the Jews, against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat, to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Let us pray. Father, as we read this narrative, we want to glean from it truth that might help us. And we see Paul's example. We see the success he had. We see the faces he faced. We see the trials he faced. And we pray, Lord, that as we observe these things closely, we might also see the parallels between his day and ours, between his challenges and ours. Help us to discern wisdom and how we might serve you faithfully during our day and our time. And for your blessing on this word, we pray, amen. In Acts chapter 13, as you recall, Paul faced some persecution. He faced, he faced great threat, and he left the city. Was he a coward? Was he fearful? Did he withdraw too soon? What was going on? We cannot claim, we cannot make any kind of discerning judgment upon Paul for what he did. The communication I just received a few days ago from Dr. Dewey Roberts addressed this kind of issue. Allow me to quote a little bit of what he wrote. Jesus, after calling his 12 disciples, gave them several instructions. Most of the instructions are in the form of imperatives. These things you must do. They are principles which must be followed. These instructions are found in Matthew 10. They were rules for the disciples as those who would follow them. Thus, they are rules for us also. Here is one such imperative. Whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. Matthew 10.23 So the Apostle Paul was just doing what the Lord had taught. 
Dr. Roberts continues, that imperative is almost totally ignored by the modern church and has seldom been followed by the church in any age. And then he quotes John Calvin's commentary on Matthew regarding this verse. These orders include permission to leave a conflict. What we are to realize about fleeing from persecution is that not all who flee are to be censured indiscriminately. And at the same time, not every kind of running away is permissible. In former days, there was too much passion over this issue. A flight was condemned as being run other than a kind of desertion. If that were true, some part of disgrace would fall on even Christ and the apostles. On the other hand, if one, allowed, if one were allowed to run off without limit, there would be no telling in time of persecution which was the good pastor in which were the hireling. So we must take the moderate line, as Augustine said, set out for honoratus, that no one should desert his post for fear or treasonably betray his flock or give an example of cowardice, and yet no one should throw himself forward heedlessly. So in Antioch, Paul was no coward. He was being discerning. He was being wise. He was being careful. Throughout history, the church has endured persecution. Even in modern times, we've seen, we're seeing the church enduring persecution. And it takes a bit of discernment. When there is a threat or there is active persecution, do we, do we endure it? Or do we withdraw from it? That's something we need to take into consideration here. No one should desert his post for fear or treasonably betray his flock or give an example of cowardice, and yet no one should throw himself forward heedlessly. There are lessons today for the church, lessons today for the individual Christian. I remember as a youngster, a teenager, I had a desire to be faithful to the Lord even then. And I remember hearing my preacher, my pastor, preach on coming persecution. And I prayed even then, Lord, help me remain faithful if I ever have to face persecution. really wondered if I would ever see it in my lifetime because I was an American. I lived in the United States. But we're beginning to see more and more people who are angry at Christians, people who, who are angry at those who claim to believe in God and those who claim to follow Jesus Christ. There are more and more people that resent us. There are many Facebook pages and Facebook groups of people who hate Christians. And they want to use their social networking to promote anti-Christianity. Paul and Barnabas left Antioch because of persecution and they traveled to Iconium. Let's look carefully at what happened. At Iconium, they entered together into a Jewish synagogue, as they did 
Antioch, and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. The successful message. People were converted. Verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. In Antioch, it got so bad they had to leave. But in Iconium, they remained a long time preaching boldly. Remember, there is a time to flee persecution and a time to endure it. Paul and Barnabas saw that this was a time to endure it. And don't shut up. Continue to preach boldly. If you remember what we said last week about the World War II bomber pilots flying over the target in the dead of night, they knew they were over the target when the flak, the anti-aircraft guns, got the heaviest, became the heaviest. That's what happens when you start preaching the gospel and people start resisting, getting angry, in a spiritual way, clenching their teeth and gnashing their teeth at you. They remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. I want to look carefully at this. If you read this too fast, these words too fast, you might miss what's going on here. Paul and Barnabas were speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace. Who was the one bearing witness to the word? The Lord was bearing witness to his own word that was coming through Paul and Barnabas. He granted them the ability to perform miracles to prove the authority and power of his word to save souls. The Lord was bearing witness to his own word that was coming through Paul and Barnabas. Faithful preaching is always sustained by the Lord, by the power of his word and the presence of his spirit. Four points I'd like to see this morning. And I, I would that all preachers preached faithfully, but all preachers don't. And we need to be very careful to understand what is going on and why it is so important. This is not just a social construct here. It's not just a social tradition where people are just come for community of church every Sunday morning and hear some encouraging words from the pastor. There's something that is supposed to be going on here that is more important than that and vital to the health and success of the church. First, faithful preaching or proper preaching is the word of the Lord. Faithful preaching comes with authority of God. Faithful preaching communicates truth. And faithful preaching always divides. Facts of life for your spiritual walk. Faithful preaching is the word of the Lord. Faithful preaching comes with authority of God. Faithful preaching communicates truth. And faithful preaching always divides. You 
Faithful preaching, or proper preaching, or correct preaching, is the word of the Lord. It is a reformed tradition stated well in the Second Helvetic Confession, which is another confession that we would subscribe to. Wherefore, when this word of God is now preached in the church by preachers lawfully called, we believe that the very word of God is preached and received by the faithful. When the word of God is now preached in the church by preachers lawfully called, we believe that the very word of God is preached and received by the faithful. Those are very intimidating words for someone who stands in the pulpit. That the man called to preach the word is to deliver his word. That's why he is never to deviate from Scripture. He can use illustrations, but the lessons, the truth that he brings from the word should come from the word and nowhere else. He should never add his opinion to it as though he were bringing the word of it. If he adds his opinion to illustrate a point, that's permissible. But he may never add his opinion to the truth of the word. He may never take away from the word. He is bringing the word of God. Jesus sent his disciples on an evangelistic campaign. In Luke chapter 10, you might remember, he told his disciples, the one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The Lord sent his disciples out, and there were 70, 70 of them at this time. There weren't just the 12. You preach the word. I've taught you to preach. And the one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. The church carries on that tradition, and faithful pastors and faithful preachers carry on that tradition. Faithful, proper preaching is the word of the Lord, and to hear that word and to receive it, you receive the Lord and his teaching. To reject it, you're putting yourself at peril. Paul teaches in the book of Romans, chapter 10, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's really quite interesting. We know that Isaiah, Isaiah's prophecy about how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news is ultimately for Christ himself, but the Apostle Paul applies it to preachers and evangelists and those who bring the word to the world. 
task of preaching is an important work. The duty of a preacher is a tremendous responsibility. And if we observe what is going on in this world today, we see self-appointed preachers bringing all kinds of perverted messages, twisted messages, diluted messages that aren't really the truth. I can give you an example, and I can give you an example. I sense a need to lighten the moment here. I don't know if you pay attention to the church's Facebook page. A couple of months ago, I posted a picture. It's one of the great masters who painted a, a scene where Paul is preaching to the people in one of the cities. And someone had pasted a balloon over it as though Paul were saying, I sense there's someone here with back pain. Your name begins with an E. And you were born in Joppa. If that's you, there's an anointing for your healing right now. Things the Apostle Paul never said. But there are those who claim that that is preaching. There are those who call themselves minister of the gospel, who are trying to bring honor and glory to themselves. And it's not proper preaching. It is not the word of God. Faithful, proper preaching is the word of God. Faithful preaching comes with authority of God. I'm going to. Faithful preaching comes with. Faithful preaching is sustained by God. I wasn't really comfortable with the word authority. We hear that so much. And it is authority. But it is also sustained by God. In a court of law, when an attorney peer, appears to violate protocol when interrogating a witness, an objection is usually made by the opposing attorney. There's an attorney for the defense, an attorney for the prosecution, and if one of them is interrogating a witness, the other one can sometimes, if he sees something wrong, Your Honor, I object. You've all seen it on TV if you've never witnessed it in the courtroom. The judge will decide if the objection is valid if it is, he said, objection sustained, that means it stands, it continues. God's word is sustained by God's sovereign power and authority. It continues. You're well aware of what John the Baptist endured. He was a faithful minister of God. The Lord Jesus Christ equivocated him with Elijah. And when he preached the truth against King Herod, you remember what happened. He was beheaded. But his message is sustained. We continue to preach that same truth, that same righteousness, that same call to repentance. God's word is sustained. His authority continues. In the book of Acts, when we see Stephen's powerful evangelistic message irritated the leaders of Israel, he was preaching faithfully, and yet he was stoned to death. His message is still sustained today. 
The authority of God's word continues. Jan Hus, in 1415, one of the early reformers, burned alive for teaching the truth. Hugh Latimer was burned at the stake along with Nicholas Ridley in 1563. He is quoted as having said, The day they were tying him to the stake, play the man, Master Ridley. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. He understood then, though, though their lives were coming to the end, the word of God continues. This authority is sovereign. It is eternal. It will never be defeated. In Matthew 16, the Lord said to his disciples, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. When the Lord said, Upon this rock is the truth that Christ is the Son of the living God. That is the truth we proclaim. He is the Redeemer. That is the gospel we preach. And the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We should all take comfort in that. We should all be encouraged by it, each and every one of you. It is the same principle that is used in the psalm and by the prophet Isaiah. Psalm 125, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. If God's word continues, his promise to you continues. His presence with you continues. He is with you eternally and forever. Don't be so enamored with this life. Don't cling so much to this life that you fear to lose it. We're all going to die. This body will decay, get sick, will perish. But our souls are eternal. And we will be given a resurrected body one day that will live forever. Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and, the, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. It's really kind of overwhelming. It, when I it, think about it, it use of a, a contemporary vernacular, it blows my mind to think that one day, one day, according to God's word, we will stand with Christ and judge the nations. If you think you can counter God's word or power, then you are a fool and in great peril. If you think you can counter God's words or his power, you are a fool and in great peril. There are those today who seem to be getting the upper hand on a lot of believers. There's a lot of 
federal and state legislation, maybe not so much in America, but in Canada and other nations, they're suppressing the activity and the freedom of churches around the world. It may look like Satan is getting the upper hand, but they are only building up wrath against themselves for what they are doing. Faithful, proper preaching is the word of God. Faithful preaching comes with the authority of God. Faithful preaching is sustained by God. Faithful preaching communicates truth. The late Francis Schaeffer recognized, acknowledged that there was confusion about what we understand truth to be or what this world today understands truth to be because there are those who say, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. So he made a distinction. He would call God's word true truth. Capital T in both parts. True truth. It is eternal. It is changeless. It cannot be denied and only a fool would deny it. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Again, Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and shall prosper in all in the thing for which I sent it. A lot of people take a lot of encouragement from that word, thinking that God's word is going to make everything good and happy in this world. But on this side of the resurrection, on this side of judgment day, God's word still bears fruit. Sometimes it is fruit of new life, salvation, redemption, conversion. And sometimes it is the fruit of judgment, chastisement. Remember, his word is described as a double-edged sword. It excises cancer and sin from the heart of a lost one. Sometimes it strikes down the rebellious sinner who refuses to believe. His word cannot be denied. It is eternal. It is changeless. The Lord himself said in Matthew 5, Assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Faithful preaching is the word of God. Faithful preaching comes with the authority of God, and faithful preaching communicates truth. Faithful preaching always divides. This is a fact of life. And it's really kind of surprising how many people are not comfortable with it. It, it shouldn't divide. It shouldn't split us up. Faithful preaching will always divide. In verse 3 of our text, Acts chapter 14 they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. 
an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. They learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding county. And they continued to preach the gospel. There will be people who believe the good news we share. There will be those who accept and receive the word we preach and present. There will always be people who refuse, despise, and hate the message we share. The word of God, faithful preaching, will always divide. It will even divide the church. It will even divide the church because there are those within the church who are not faithfully learning, not faithfully teaching, not faithfully preaching. If you remember, one of the faithful, one of the uh, seven churches in the book of Revelation Lord's warning against them was that once you were hot for the Lord, but now that you are neither hot nor cold, you make me sick, I will spew you out of my mouth. There is no neutral ground in the kingdom of God. There is no neutral ground where you can feel safe and comfortable. You must be fully on fire for the Lord or not. To be neutral, indifferent, is a very perilous position. It is equivocated by the word of God as someone being lost. Matthew twenty-five thirty-one: when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You must identify with Christ or perish. You must put on Christ. You must wear his identity. You must conform to his word or you're not his. There is coming a day when the Lord will make a final decision about a, a, a final winnowing, a final declarative action against those who are not in Christ and those who have received him. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, one of his early messages, was against the Pharisees and the priests of Israel. They were coming asking him if he was Elijah. He was denying that he was Elijah. But he said, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance. But he, speaking of Christ, who is coming after me is mightier than I. I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In modern times, we cannot very much relate to that, what John is saying here. Most of us understand that when wheat grows, it's, it's a grass. It's got a long stalk, and up the top is the head of seeds or grain. That's the only good part. That's the only good, and even the, the skin around that grain of wheat needs to come off. Today we have machinery that kind of clears all that away before the wheat is sent to the mill to be ground as flour. But in ancient times, they would let the wheat dry, and they would stack bundles in what was called a threshing floor. Sometimes it was stone, sometimes it was just cleared dirt, packed. And they had what they called was a winnowing fan. It looks kind of like our leaf rake that we use today, but it was a little bit larger. And he would scoop that stuff up and toss it into the air. The good grain was heavier than the rest of it. The breeze, the wind would blow the chaff, what was useless, out. And the heavier seed would fall to the floor. John was describing how the Lord would come with his winnowing fan, separating the chaff, what was useless, from the wheat. The wheat he would gather into his barn, meaning heaven, the chaff he would burn in the fire. That's what's going on here. When we look at God's word, it divides. Which side shall you be on? Which side will you be on? Faithful preaching is the word of the Lord. Faithful preaching comes with the authority of God and is sustained by God. Faithful preaching communicates truth. Faithful preaching always divides. We can expect persecution in this day. We're beginning to see it more and more. We've seen a history of it. We can witness it in this day, and we certainly will in the coming months. Some of us may even experience it. On which side of truth shall we stand? We need to have the discernment to know when to face it and continue preaching, continue sharing, or when might be the appropriate time to step back and move away to preach to someone else, but never to be quiet. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word and its truth and its power. And we ask this morning that you may help us be faithful to you. Let us take your word to our hearts and cherish it. And may it strengthen us and encourage us and equip us to be faithful in all that we do for you that we might be bold, even in times of persecution. For those around the world who are paying the price for their faith, Lord, 
grant them great blessing. If not deliverance, then certainly life everlasting. May your message continue to be proclaimed even to the very last day. In the name of our sure and coming Savior, Jesus, amen.